Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts and our minds to hear your voice. Lord, may your word be spoken and your word received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Every year on the first Sunday after the Epiphany, we celebrate the feast of the baptism of our Lord. And we hear the account, as we did today, of the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist in the River Jordan. And we're not going to focus today on John the Baptist, as we've talked about him enough in Advent, but we're going to focus on the work of Jesus, the example of Jesus that we see in the Gospel today. And in fact, it is this Sunday that really will end for us the Christmas season. And this last Sunday fittingly ends the Christmas season because what is the progression of the season is Christmas Eve, we gather and hear the revelation of who Jesus is to the shepherds. Right? There's really a small group that knows that Christmas morning who has been born. And Christmas sort of celebrates that uh, very small circle who received the revelation of who Jesus is. Then the Christmas season progresses to the next high point, which is the celebration of the Epiphany, in which the revelation of who Jesus is has expanded, and the wise men travel to present their gifts to the newborn king. And then finally, the culmination of the incarnation, the very reason that Jesus came was so that all may see. And here at the baptism of Jesus is the revelation to everyone as to who Jesus is. The, the announcement of why Jesus has come and the beginning of his public ministry takes place here and now. And it's, it's interesting, the parallel, I think, between what we see here at the river and what we will see at Calvary. Because here at the river, you know, this is the big debate. John the Baptist is baptizing for the forgiveness of sins and repentance, uh, both of which Jesus has no need of. He does not need to repent and he does not need forgiveness of sins because he has none to repent from. But we see Jesus appearing at the river, demonstrating his love for us as to what he will do on our behalf. Because at the river, he comes to the place representing the sins of the people. And in the sins of the people, he is buried as he's plunged into the water. He rises from the water, washed and presented to the people as the Messiah. And I think there's a huge parallel between what will happen at Calvary 
as Jesus goes to the place representing the sins of the whole world, where he offers up his life, where he is buried, rises again, and is presented to the world alive, the Messiah, the Redeemer. So his, his beginning of his public ministry in many ways looks exactly like the end of his earthly ministry when he gives his life and rises again. That's what Jesus does on our behalf. And then we have to see how our baptism follows that pattern. Because it's in our own baptism that we receive the light of Christ. You know, it's at our baptism that the work of the Spirit does that same work that we heard in Genesis, where the Spirit hovers over the darkness that is in our lives, that is our lives before we've received Jesus. And then in baptism, ideally if we had a big font, uh, people would be immersed in the water, just like Jesus was, representing being buried with Christ, death to sin, and then we rise out of that water cleansed, made new, filled with light and life. Just like in Genesis. The work of God brings light to the darkness of our lives. Our sins are forgiven. We rise to a new life. And then I think it's important that we understand at our baptism is that moment when the heavens are torn open for us. And God receives us as his child. And God says to us, Behold my beloved, with you I am well pleased. That's what's imparted to us at our baptism, not because we did something super special to earn it, but because Jesus has done it. And that as the Father receives Christ, as the Father sees Christ, so he receives and sees us. I mean, that's a reality that I think that the more you think about it, the more you don't understand it. <laughs> right? I mean, that's a big deal. That as God sees the Son, so God sees us. In and through him. And so, most of the time, if we took a survey of how you feel in your walk with God, would you rate yourself as one who God loves and who is well pleased, his beloved? And most of the time we have enough things in our lives where we'd say, oh well, not me, maybe somebody else, but not me. And I think on this feast of the baptism of the Lord, we need to understand how our identity changes in baptism. And that what was done for Jesus is done for us. That in our baptism, the light of Christ is poured into us. The Holy Spirit is given to us. That we rise from that water, washed, transformed, new, and forgiven. And at that moment, and from every moment forward, we hear the cry of the Father that says, You are my beloved whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And it's in light of that reality then that our life must be lived. And that all that we do and say must demonstrate 
that truth and reality that we are beloved and loved by God, washed in Christ, forgiven. Our whole life must be an example to the world of that reality. That as the world sees us, may they see Jesus. May they come to know his love. May they come to hear his voice. That's the pattern that God has set up. That's this life in Christ that we said yes to. That we will renew today in our own baptismal vows. That will be sprinkled again with the waters of baptism to remind us of that promise and of the reality of who we are right now in Christ. That by the work that he has done, we too are called the children of God. We too are loved by God. We too are beloved by God. And with us, God is well pleased. And may the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us to live our lives to bear fruit for God, that others might come to know, to receive his love and his mercy and grace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.